to On the Beat with Bambi, conversations with interesting people from all around the South Jersey Shore. Welcome to episode three of On the Beat with Bambi. I'm your host, Bambi DeCastro Short, and today we are talking feet. All of us have experienced some issue with our feet at one time or another, so today we will learn what the most common problems are, how to identify them, and what to do to bring a little relief. My guest is a board-certified podiatrist with a very successful practice located in Summers Point, New Jersey. So let's step into fall with Dr. Paul DeMarco. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Bambi. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes. I'm so happy that you're here so early in the morning to be discussing feet. Right. There's never a bad time for a foot problem. There you go. And I have a joke to start the morning off. Let's go. What is, um, oh, I forgot it. (laughs) Okay. What happens when someone hurts their foot in the middle of the road? Hmm. They call a tow truck. Oh, very good. So witty so early in the morning. Do you have one? Oh my God, you're putting me on the spot now. Okay, what would a Japanese foot have for dinner? A sushi roll. I think you could get this one. Sushi. See, I was close. I knew there was some play on sushi. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, um, the thing is, is that we're all starting up with our fall activities, running, walking, pickleball, and lots of other things that are tough on our feet. And I've been talking to some people who have been having a lot of foot issues like um, sore toes, toenails coming off because of running, you know, long miles, which you know a lot about since you completed how many Ironman? Two, two full and seven halves. Yeah. Did you ever have any toenails fall out? From Not, running training? Oh, yeah. When I probably first started running initially when I was increasing my mileage and going from like 5Ks, 10Ks to like half marathons, from just getting sluggish, getting tired, inclines, then maybe shoes getting worn out, definitely causing friction, definitely lost my share of toenails. Very common badge of honor for anyone who runs. Yeah. And and they grow back, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll grow back. Um a nail sometimes takes a good six to nine months to fully grow back if the nail has completely fallen off. Sometimes people, from if they've had repetitive trauma to the nail, sometimes it can cause damage to underlying nail bed, and sometimes the nail may eventually look a little funky just from repetitive trauma to the root of the nail. So is there anything that people can do when they're running like that to prevent something like that from happening? The most common issue is proper shoe fit. A lot of times people are in the wrong size shoe. A lot of times, like with a running sneaker, a lot of times you go up a half to a full size. Now, people sometimes get focused on, well, I'm a size 10 or a size 11. There's a lot of variability between different shoes and styles. And as we get older, your feet have a tendency to kind of spread out a little bit. They kind of elongate so even though, quote, the size of the shoe is still the same, just from the elongation, the flattening out, it kind of extends and there's not enough room in the toe box. So that's why you really want to make sure you have a good thumbnails width from the 
tip of your longest toe, not necessarily your big toe, because a lot of people, some of their lesser toes are longer than the big toe. You want to make sure you have enough room in the toe box just to prevent that jamming and repetitive pressure on the toes. That's a really good tip. And I didn't, I never actually never thought about that because when I put, when I try sneakers on, sometimes I, uh, I feel like the toe box is too big, but you're right. Like that makes sense because as you're running your toe flatten, your feet flatten and Yes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. That's why I go up like a whole size. Sometimes. Yeah, I'm I'm a, a whole size and, and an extra width with my sneakers as I've gotten older. And it definitely has alleviated a lot of issues, a lot of friction on the tip of the toes. Some people will, you know, double up their socks because they think they have to add additional cushioning, but sometimes that adds increased pressure on the toes also. So just definitely the mm. proper size is the most important. And also replacing them before they get too worn out. The rule of thumb, like some say for someone who runs, is to replace your sneakers every 500 miles. You know, you'll have someone who will come in who they'll be starting up an exercise program or going from walking to running. And their biggest problem is they start with a pair of sneakers that have been sitting in the closet for five years. And they'll stay, they don't really have that many miles on them. But if they're that old, a lot of times the leather has a tendency to dry out and it's not as supportive, even though they think they're brand new. So I tell people, especially if they're increasing or changing up their activity or completely starting a new program, whether it's walking or running, definitely start with a fresh new pair of sneakers for whatever the activity they're doing, just so they're not, you know, causing a problem even before they start. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what other common foot problems do you see? I mean, probably the most common thing, and it's become like a household word now, is plantar fasciitis. You know, the layman's term was heel spurs, but plantar fasciitis is a common condition, and it's in all ages. You know, you'll have kids, men, women. People will think, oh, it has to do with getting older. It has nothing to do with age. It's all activity level. A lot of times- Where does where, where plantar fasciitis- where is that on your foot? A lot of times it originates anywhere from the bottom of the heel all the way through the arch. Plantar is just the term for the bottom of the foot, fascia is a ligament. Plantar fasciitis is that inflammation of the ligament on the bottom of the foot. So imagine it's like a big rubber band stretching from the ball of your foot all the way through the arch and through the heel. Wow. Okay. Right. So people come in, they say, okay, my heel's killing me. Right. I don't know what's happening. Exactly. The classic symptom is when it first starts, people will be so confused because they'll first get out of bed in the morning and their foot hits the ground. They have this intense pain. Sometimes people will describe it. They feel like someone's taking a sharp pick or a knife to the bottom of their heel. That's how intense the pain could be. It confuses them because they say, why does it hurt after I've been off it all night? And why does it sometimes feel better as I start walking? The reason that is, is the fascia is like a big rubber band. So you're on it all day, it gets stretched out, warmed up. You go to bed at nighttime, it shrinks, contracts, becomes cold and tight. You're off it all night, you take that first step out of bed in the morning, you have this cold, tight, contracted ligament, you step down, it is stretching and pulling. That's what sets up that acute, sharp pain in the bottom of the heel of the arch. And then they start walking around, it gets warmed up, stretched out, back to expanded length. And initially people will say, well, you know, as long as I stay walking, I'm okay. But if they sit even for five minutes and go to get up, they, they'll feel that tightness all over again. So I suspect that that's how it, it, it exas 
exacerbates in people because they walk around, they are active on it, it kind of goes away, and then they're they they stay on their foot for so long, right? And then it just gets worse. So then I have a, a pickleball friend who just so much pain that she's limping around the court and you know icing it every night, but just really couldn't find and couldn't find relief. So you know what what do you, what do you do for that? Right. So plantar fasciitis has been so common, and now with people with pickleball becoming very popular, that has caused different types of people to come in with plantar fasciitis and also Achilles tendonitis. Now, initially I'll tell people, like they say, they'll start playing and as long as they stay active, they're okay. But then after they're done, the game is when they feel it tightening up and hurting. But a lot of times what drives people in like your friend is now it's affecting their game. They're having pain while playing and it's caused them to stop. So first thing we'll do is a lot of times different home remedies people could do, and everyone goes to Dr. Google now, which is fine for some advice when they need something to do right away. Main, like we had already discussed, make sure their shoes are not too worn or adequate. But sometimes it's just the change in the sport or the activity that brought it on. Now, for your friend, if she just started playing pickleball and it becomes like an overuse type of problem. So the most important thing is proper shoes, You know, definitely icing and stretching. For people who have plantar fasciitis, a good way of icing and stretching at the same time. We tell them to take their plastic, you know, sport water bottle that everyone's carrying around, fill it with water, throw it in the freezer, and then roll it back and forth through the arch. Those ridges of the frozen water bottle help really stretch out, massage the fascia, and ice cold, ther cold therapy. Ice is an anti-inflammatory. Uh, we'll tell people to start off with the you know, Advil or Aleve, an over-the-counter anti-inflammatory that helps to reduce the inflammation because it is an inflammation with that band of fascia. Um, Another problem with people with plantar fasciitis is barefoot walking. Barefoot walking will make it worse. So keep their shoes on. A lot of times living down at the beach, the summertime, people are barefoot, flat flip-flops, barefoot on the beach. That's a killer for people with plantar fasciitis. So anything that lifts the heel up and supports the arch will definitely uh, be beneficial to, to it. Um, sometimes people, all the stuff they do, at home, doesn't work. Sometimes they come in, we have to give them a stronger anti-inflammatory. Sometimes people, it's real bad, we'll give them a cortisone shot, physical therapy, arch supports, over-the-counter orthotics, custom orthotics. There's a lot of different ways of treating it. And we tell people with plantar fasciitis, whether it's pickleball-related, activity-related, job-related, it's very common, probably one of the most common things we treat. It is usually easily treated conservatively, but it's not usually the type of problem that goes away overnight. Sometimes people take weeks, some people months, some people years, but the majority of the patients are treated conservatively without having any type of aggressive surgery or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that my friend finds relief. She got some inserts, um, I think, from, you know, like local pharmacy, and they qu weren't quite working. Yeah, and like so. I tell people, the over-the-counter stuff, they're fine to start with. They're not going to make anything worse. It's not harmful. Just sometimes a one-size-fit-all isn't work for everyone. Sometimes it's not supportive enough, but there's no harm in trying. There was actually a newer treatment right. we've been doing for a couple of years. Again, it's non-invasive. It's kind of like a shockwave treatment for people with chronic tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis. It's like an acoustic sound wave that's infiltrated directly to the area. No needles. Um, non-invasive. It's like a 10-minute procedure in the office. Done multiple treatments, four to five treatments weekly. The whole goal is to like stimulate the blood supply back to the area. 
So it converts it back from a chronic inflammation to acute inflammation, which has a better chance of healing and recovering quicker. And you're finding good results with that. Yeah, yeah. I'd say eight out of 10 people have done very well, non-invasive. They can do the treatment and they can go back to their activities. It's not like they have to stay off it. Um, if, if they're feeling okay, they can go resume their walking, running, or pickleball, whatever their activities are, as long as they're not having pain while they're doing their activities. Yeah. So I, I think a good rule of thumb is make sure your shoes are good and they fit well. And yeah. Yeah. De- and go from yeah. There. Definitely. Shoe gear is, is probably one of the most important things with preventing and maintaining good foot health. So what, so what, so we're both, well, you're more of a CrossFitter now that, than I am, but what are some injuries associated with that sort of exercise? Okay. A lot of, you know, CrossFitters also, cause there's from, there's a lot of Olympic lifting, there's gymnastic movements, there's some cardio, but what I find a lot of times people with CrossFit, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of weightlifting and a lot of times people are using those flat lifter shoes. So what I find out mm-hmm. that they, they have no support. And if people are doing a lot of jump rope, box jumps and running, I've definitely seen share of like plantar fasciitis or pain even in the ball of the foot. Sometimes people get what we call like a neuroma, a pinched nerve in the ball of the foot. And a lot of times it's secondary to having you know, those flat, unsupportive shoes from the higher impact activities that's causing a lot of bouncing on the ball of the foot. So I, I, at this point, I've been doing CrossFit for a long time. I pretty much just wear my running sneakers. Um, if yeah. we're really going to do, be doing a lot of lifting, you know, I'm not so worried about having a really flat shoe because I'm not lifting that heavy anymore. I think it's more important to have the support and cushioning if we're switching to a more cardio uh, workout during the, during the CrossFit workout, just to have more support for my feet, especially the heels and arches. Right. Cause with CrossFit, you're running, you're jumping, you're doing all of these things. So even the running with those flat shoes, I found to be not feeling so good. Exactly. I, I agree. So I, I've kind of given, given up the, uh, CrossFit shoes and it's sometimes people will change shoes in between, but if you're doing an intense workout, there's not enough time to be changing in between. So I've noticed a lot of people will say if it's a lot of cardio work, they'll just wear their running shoes and they've definitely felt a big difference with that also. So yeah, that's all very helpful information. So let's talk about some funny things. What, um, what are some of the funniest, or I'm putting you on the spot, but <laughs> what is a funny office story? Can you t- think of a funny story of someone coming into the office? Like a funny story, like with a uh, patient coming in for a different type of problem that they didn't know they had, like the guy. Yeah, or something funny. Like the guy who came in with uh, maggots under his toenail that didn't know they were swarming oh, yeah, around that's there. that's not so funny. <laughs> <laughs> not funny for them, but funny um, for us. <laughs> Yeah. And did you have to, wait, did you have to, um, do surgery and cut off something? Oh, wait, well, well, with him, we took off the nail and then took and cleaned off the live maggots that were swarming around. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. and they never came back. Yeah. No, no, no. He never came back. Yeah. Those are good stories. Um, sometimes to... you have pictures of your surgeries that I'm really not, Oh yeah. People can't stomach. Yeah. People have to be careful if they're going through the camera roll on my foot. There's uh they might be in for some shock of certain things that uh, show up on the phone <laughs> on the camera roll. Right, right, right. Um, I'm trying to think funny stories of uh, things that patients thought they were funny too, and not just us thinking that they were funny. 
Well, I guess some funny, uh, one funny story, it wasn't necessarily in your office, but outside of your office when the woman hit almost the house next to your office. Oh, yeah. Not almost. She did hit it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she, hit the, she hit the gas instead of the brake, brake because she was in a cast or something, right? She was, a, she was in a cast, had surgery, wasn't supposed to be driving with the cast on. And heck, she'd driven all the way back down from Philadelphia and did fine and pulls into the parking lot. And instead of hitting the brake as she's pulling into the parking lot, she hit the gas and smashed into the corner of the property next door. People next door were not very happy. She became, her nickname became Crash. Out and said, remember your assistant looked out oh, yeah, really um, calmly. Oh yeah, I think someone Hi. just hit the building next door. I'm like, uh, hello, should we go out and help her? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. The office antics. So anyways, very important topic. As my mom, as you know, my mom has this problem. Yes. So many others have this problem. But the ingrown toenail. Yes, the dreaded, painful, ingrown toenail. I've never oh, had one, thank goodness. What is so it? So lucky. It is something that is so small, could be so painful. It's, you know, a part of the nail that grows into the flesh of the toe. It could be something where the nail's a little long and just gets irritated. Um, it happens to everybody. And I've had three, three and six month old newborns where parents have brought them in with ingrown nails. Um, adults, kids, no one's immune from them. It could be from anywhere from, you know, someone just cutting the nail too short. It could be just from the way people's nails grow. Um, you know, a lot of people who are real active from shoe gear, like we talked about before, sometimes the shoes are tight. You have the second toe pressing on the corner of the nail by the, uh, the large toe. And that's the most common corner of the toe to become ingrown. What happens is sometimes it just starts with pain. People feel pressure, but then sometimes the longer it goes on, the skin gets irritated. The nails growing into the skin and it kind of acts like a foreign body. It causes the flesh around the toe to get swollen. Sometimes kids will come in where they've hit it from the parents and the parents first notice they see blood on the socks in the laundry room. And they're like, what the heck's going on here? And what happens is once the nail's in there, the only way of alleviating the problem is by removing the nail. Sometimes it can be an easy fix where the nail is just trimmed out, but if it's really bad and inflamed, we anesthetize the toe. This way we can treat it properly and it doesn't cause discomfort to the patient. There are people who get chronic ingrown nails where they're always coming back and there's more of a long-term solution where it's the same setup where you numb up the toe, remove the portion of the nail that's growing into the skin, uh, clean up the flesh, and we use a chemical that cauterizes that corner of the nail. So we tell people 85% of the time the nail should not grow back. That's for people who have a chronic ongoing issue. People okay, so think, wait a minute. So you take the nail out. Just the corner. Like sometimes I, people, yeah. And then when it grows back, that will sometimes reappear, but a lot of times will not. You can prevent that by doing the polarization. Right. Correct. If you just remove the nail, it, it'll grow back. But it's one extra step we do. We apply a chemical called phenol that cauterizes the corner of the nail root. And people think, oh, my God, I don't want to be without a toenail. We're not removing the whole nail. It's just a little corner. Mm. Once, everything, once everything heals, you don't even notice that the, nail is, the portion of the nail is missing. Just, they're just gone with the pain, and they don't have to keep dealing with it every, every few months. Now, there okay. are some people who get their nails are really thickened from a fungus, and the nail grows like, three times the size and the thickness of a normal nail. And sometimes 
pain and pressure from that can cause an ingrown nail. And there sometimes people opt to just have the entire nail removed because it becomes so painful. That's not, not, that's not as common, but usually the common one, one corner of the big toe, it's usually the big toes that are usually most susceptible. Although we've treated people where their lesser toes have been a problem too. But it's a simple little in-office procedure that no one's laid up. They don't miss, have to miss any time from work. It's done right in the chair. They leave with a little bulky bandage on, which they take off the following day. We go over some soaking instructions. And I tell people activity-wise, I leave it up to them. They have no limitations from my standpoint. Whatever they feel comfortable with, they can do. Now, it, it, when you can you do something on your own when you start to feel a little pressure? Can you soak it? Will that help if you soak it in hot, warm water or something and then cut it yourself? Will that prevent it? Some, yeah, some people can. You know, Obviously, a lot of times it happens on a weekend or it's a nighttime and people want to try and do something to alleviate the pressure, which we completely understand. So soaking it in like a warm, soapy antibacterial soap or an Epsom salt solution will help soften it a little bit. And then putting like a topical antibiotic cream, like a triple antibiotic mm -hmm. or Neosporin will help help if it's like a little superficial infection. Um, sometimes people can, you know, try and trim a little bit of the corner. But a lot of times it's hard for one to do themselves. Like when people come in, I'm at a better angle and I usually have better equipment that's yeah. capable of taking care of it. But yeah, I mean, people can try and alleviate themselves. They're not going to, you know, damage anything. And they want to at least try and alleviate some of the pressure until they can have it taken care of. Got it. Got it. A lot, a lot of times people will go to go to an urgent care because the toe is infected, which is fine, especially if the toe is really infected. And sometimes, depending upon the doctor and the urgent care, sometimes if, they, if they're aggressive, they will actually sometimes numb up the toe and take care of the problem for the patient. But a lot of times they just treat them with an antibiotic just to calm it down until they can come in to see a podiatrist and get it taken care of. A lot of times when someone's on an antibiotic, that will calm down the infection. But if you don't remove the nail, then it's just going to keep coming back. You got to you know, remove the root of the problem. Got it. Got it. Very helpful. I think yes. a lot of people will feel a little relief knowing that there's something, there's things out there that can prevent it from happening again. Correct. Yes, exactly. Because people, they, they say every couple of months, they'll trim it themselves or they'll go for a pedicure and yes. it keeps coming back. So they're happy to know that there's more of a long-term solution. Fantastic. Well, thanks for all the info, Dr. Paul. I think no that problem. it's a lot, um, there's a lot of info that people could, can um, follow and hopefully, you know, address on their own or come into your office. Yes. To see you. Yes. So thanks so much for sharing the, the last few minutes with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. So have a great day of feet today. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, okay, talk soon. Bye-bye. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to On the Beat with Bambi. And please follow us on theroastedbeat.com and email us at info at See you next time.